0: Chapter sixty-one of The Wild Huntress. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The Wild Huntress by Thomas Maine Reed. Chapter sixty-one. The Mysterious Circle. In an exulting tone, the savage chief broke silence. Bueno cried he. As soon as he saw that my eyes were upon him, Waino, bueno, Waino, bueno, the pale face still lives; the heart of the red hand is glad of it. Ha <laughs> ha Give him to drink of the fire water of Taos; let him be strong; fill him with life; that death may be all the more bitter to him. These orders were delivered to his follower, who, in obedience to them, removed the gag and holding to my lips a calabash filled with tao's whiskey, poured a quantity of the liquor down my throat the beverage produced the effect which the savage chief appeared to desire scarcely had i swallowed the fiery spirit when my strength and senses were restored to their full vigour but only to make me feel more keenly the situation in which i stood to comprehend more acutely the appalling prospect that was before me this was the design in resuscitating me no other purpose had the cruel savage had i entertained any doubt as to the motive his preliminary speech would have enlightened me but it was made still clearer by that which followed dog of a pale face cried he brandishing a long spanish knife before my eyes you shall see how the Red Hand can revenge himself upon the enemies of his race. The slayer of panthers and the white eagle shall die a hundred deaths. They have mocked the forest maiden who has followed them from afar. Her vengeance shall be satisfied, and the Red Hand will have his joy. Ha ha ha! Uttering a peal of demonic laughter, the Indian. Held the point of the knife close to my forehead as if to drive the blade into my eyes. It was but a feint to produce terror, a spectacle which this monster was said to enjoy. Wingrove was still alive. The wretch Suwanee must be near. Karaho again yelled the savage. What promised you the red hand to cut the living flesh from your bones? But no that would be merciful the Arapahoes had contrived a sweeter vengeance one that will appease the spirits of our slain warriors we shall combine sport with the sacrifice of the pale-faced dogs <laughs> after another fiendish cachinnation far more horrible to hear than his words of menace the monster continued dog you refuse to instruct the Arapaho in the skill of the fire weapon but you shall furnish them with at least one lesson before you die (laughs) you shall soon experience the pleasant death we have prepared for you ah haste he continued addressing himself to his follower prepare him for the sacrifice our warriors are impatient for the sport. The blood of our brothers is calling for vengeance. This in white, with a red spot in the center. The rest of his body in black. These mysterious directions were accompanied by a corresponding gesture. With the point of his knife, the savage traced a circle upon my breast just as if he had been scribing it on the bark of a tree. The scratch was light, though here and there it drew blood. At the word's red spot in the center, as if to make the direction more emphatic, he punctured the spot with his knife, till the blood flowed freely. Had he driven the blade to its hilt, I could not have flinched i was fixed firmly as the post to which they had bound me i could not speak a word either to question his intent or reply to his menace the gag was still between my teeth and i was necessarily silent it mattered little about my remaining silent had my tongue been free it would have been idle to use it in the wolf's visage there was no one trait of clemency. Every feature bespoke the obduracy of unrelenting cruelty. I knew that he would only have mocked any appeal I might have made. It was just as well that I had no opportunity of making it. After giving some further directions to his follower, and once more repeating his savage menace in the same exulting tone, he passed behind me and I lost sight of him, but I could tell by the noise that reached me at intervals that he had gone down from the rock, and was returning to his warriors upon the plain. It was the first time since my face fastenings had been cut loose that I had a thought of looking in that direction. During all the while that the red hand stood by me, I had been in constant dread of instant death or of some equally fearful issue the gleaming blade had never been out of my eyes for two seconds at a time for in the gesticulations that accompanied his speeches the steel had played an important part and i knew not the moment it might please the ferocious savage to put an end to my life now that he was gone and I found a respite from his torturing menace, my eyes turned mechanically to the plain. I therefore beheld a spectacle, that under other circumstances might have filled me with horror. Not so then. The agony of my thoughts was already too keen to be further quickened. Even the gory skull of one of my comrades, who lay scalped upon the sward, scarcely added any emotion. it was a sight i had anticipated they could not all be alive end of chapter sixty one recording by john brandon